Welcome to the Health in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Evie Takis. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who loves to help people achieve their wellness goals they once thought were impossible to reach. I am the owner of Holistically Restored, and through my coaching practice, I have been able to guide my clients through their own health journeys and teach them to truly understand their body. With a focus on hormone, thyroid, and weight management, I strive to instill the knowledge, confidence, and encouragement everyone deserves. If you enjoy this content, I'd love for you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Please tell your friends, family, or anyone who is curious about bettering themselves in a holistic way. The more, the merrier. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and is not to be taken as medical advice. I am so happy you're here and ready to learn. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Um, I would love to start with an introduction as to who you are um, and you know how we connected. And then I want to dive into all the things that are super interesting to me about you and what you do and what you show on your Instagram. Cool. So my name is Grace Jones. Um, I run an Instagram called The Good Ones Homestead. I am actually a wedding photographer. Um, and so the gardening and everything that I do on that Instagram is just kind of for fun as a hobby at the moment. But I'm kind of looking to maybe do more of that and less of the photography stuff soon. Yeah. So with the gardening, I think we connected from like maybe a mutual friend on Instagram, but we found each other on Instagram and I just loved all the resources that you provide. And I loved your, the way of living in terms of you have a garden, you have a really nice garden in your backyard and you make a lot of your own stuff and you're making your own teas and kombucha. And I just, I'm so intrigued by that. And I love that. And I think it would be great if we talk a little bit about how you got into that. And then also some takeaway things for people who might be interested in starting a garden or in um, making their own kombucha or, you know, baking or whatever it might be, just some take home stuff too, that we can get to later on in the conversation. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So how did you get, have you always been into like homestead and gardening and growing your own things and flowers and going and foraging things? Or is that something that's developed over time? I think for the longest time um, growing up, I tried to repress a lot of that because it was what my parents did. And I didn't want to be like my parents. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, I want to be exactly like my parents. Um, So, you know, in grade school, my mom started a pioneer girls club for me um, that I basically forced all my friends to dress up in like the <laughs> girl, like, you know, the like pioneer dresses and aprons. Yes. And like, we learned how to sew. We learned how to cook over an open fire. We learned like basic survival skills, I guess you could say. Um, like, in, and then we learned how to do like embroidery or like corn husk dolls, things like that. Um, so to me, I've always been interested in being a little more self-sufficient and not so much relying on like stores to provide everything for me. Um, I've also always just enjoyed making things, um, whether that be food, art, clothing, stuff like that. Um, the gardening really started happening in 2019, I think. Um, because we lived in a little bit of a lower income neighborhood and I wanted to kind of start a little garden to provide for, you know, just the two neighbors next to us. Um, so I started to do that. 
I only had a four by four raised bed because that's all that um, the landlords would like let us have. So I was like, well, I'm going to see how much I can get out of this. Um, Got a lot of food. um, So we ended up being able to share it with our neighbors. Um, Yeah. And then it just kind of progressed um, into what our backyard is now. Uh, We no longer live in that neighborhood, but we bought a house that kind of has a little bit of a bigger yard. um, So we were able to just like transform the whole thing whenever we moved in. Yeah, that's amazing that you were able to share that with your neighbors and have that community aspect of it. Yeah, that's Um, a lot of fun. We do the same thing now with our backyard neighbors. Like every week I make them like a big jar of kombucha and I give that to them. And then I've been making them um, fermented pickles that they're like in love with. Um, And then I also get them to try out my like herbal concoctions. <laughs> yeah, which I want to talk about that because I'm really interested in that. I um I haven't dabbled into that myself, but I know that you do and that would be really cool to talk about. What are you, what are you I so a question I do have, you mentioned the stores. Like how much of what you do eat or consume? Like do you actually buy versus you grow yourself? Oh, it's kind of difficult. So I've kind of tried to stop buying stuff from like Whole Foods. But I have maybe some addictions (laughs) to things like potato chips um, that I just can't get over. So I buy potato chips often. Um, But I also try to buy a lot of local stuff from farmers. Um, And we do a um, kind of like a CSA box, but it's from a place called Yellowbird. Um, and they source from like farms all over Ohio, uh, to bring you the best like produce that you can get. Um, so you just kind of like build your box online and we get it delivered weekly. Um, during the summer months, I don't buy as much because obviously I have like a lot in my garden happening. Um, but during the winter months, I definitely rely more on that. Um, because in this house where we are, we're not like super set up to, um, have a high volume of storage for like vegetables and stuff like that um so we mostly eat everything that grows we eat it within that season yeah yeah that's so cool and um i'm gonna put a link to it's yellow bird you said Mm -hmm. put a link to that in the show notes for people who want to check that out what are the um what are the things that you're growing now or that you've learned that okay i'm pretty good at growing this versus I started growing this and I'm just, I just can't do it. It's not going to work for me. Like, what was that process like? Because I think that holds people back from starting mm-hmm. a garden is they're nervous about, I'm not going to be able to grow this thing or it's going to die or the animals are going to get it. So what did that process look like for you? This is still an evolving thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God. The past week I've been battling um, cucumber beetles and squash bugs in my garden. They have killed about five of my squash and cucumber plants along with some melons. And I am honestly just about to set everything on fire because (laughs) they are just pissing me off. Yeah. Um, So it's like whenever we moved in, I was able to grow that stuff perfectly fine. But I think they have come to realize that I like to grow those things and they have come to stay. So I have been trying everything from an organic farming practice to get them to go away but I have had little success um and my mom likes to remind me often that ah that's just farming for you because she grew up on a farm and she has heard everything about um pests and how they just ruin things some years so I'm not trying to get too beat up about it um because I think some of my favorite things to grow are potatoes and sweet potatoes um 
those for me were like the most rewarding because you can't see what's growing. Um, you just have a little faith in that there is something growing underneath the surface. Um, and last year I probably got 30 pounds of sweet potatoes. 30 yeah, pounds? I, I still have some from last year that we're still eating. Yeah. Wow. And so then this year I grew my sweet potato slips um, from those sweet potatoes that I grew last year. Yeah. So it's wow. really fun. That's really cool. And that when you said potatoes, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't even like be like fathom doing that because I'm just very beginning of gardening. And I think that would be so cool to actually see like, wow, these things were underneath here this whole time. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Potatoes 30- are so much fun to grow and they're like, to me, one of the easiest things to grow because all you do is like, um, so, you know, when potatoes start to spud, Mm -hmm. yeah, you just cut that up in like quarters and you put that in the ground and with the eye pointing up, that's what it's called. The eye, um, the eye towards the sky. And then you just cover it with a mound of soil and let it go. And that's it. That's it. Oh my gosh. And how long would it take for them to actually grow? Um, I see the shoot, like the sprouts and the stalks coming up within like a week. Wow. And then, you know, it gets really tall and bushy. And then as soon as it turns, like starts to turn kind of yellow and just kind of like wilt a little bit, then that's ready. That's when you're ready to like just pull them out of the ground. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's really cool. So are you gardening like all year round then? Um, not so much. I start in the springtime and go until the first frost, which is normally in like October, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then winter, and, it's just kind of snow. Yeah. Do you keep, like, how, you said you've been eating your sweet potatoes f- since last year. So how do you actually keep some of the things that you do grow? Like, do, is there any preserving that you do with anything that you're growing or finding elsewhere? What does that look like? It depends on the thing. Um, so I don't grow cabbage, but if I did, I would obviously turn that into like sauerkraut because that keeps for forever. Um I was fermenting garlic that I grew this year and honey, um, but garlic also keeps for a really long time too. Um, I also, if I do get any squash, they're winter squash, so they'll stay for a long time. We still have spaghetti squash from last year. Um, And sweet potatoes, those keep really, really well. So I've kind of like gone more towards the plants that I know that will keep a long time um, and the varieties of those plants that will keep a long time because there are some in each group that probably won't last as long. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but it's all been a whole experience of learning lately um, because this is only my third year of like gardening. Yeah, that's incredible though that you're doing all those things with it just being your third year. I mean, it's just like... I feel like once you start doing it, it just snowballs out of control. Yeah. 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 What have you kind of noticed? What, what are the things that you've noticed from eating the things that you're growing versus, you know, shopping at Whole Foods? Like what are some of those key differences, even in how you feel like health wise? Because we've talked just briefly a little bit about, I think I posted or maybe you posted something about cell core supplements and you're like, Oh, like I know what that is. So like clearly you have some sort of insight into the deeper things of like, you know, health and supplements and herbs and, you know, using those types of antimicrobials and things. So how has this impacted your health? Just making the switch to growing more of your own food and eating seasonally and things like that. Huge, huge, huge difference. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is just grounding in the earth. Um, 
because four years ago, you would never catch me outside. Like, I wouldn't go outside. I wouldn't put my bare feet on the ground. I refuse to be in the sunshine. And now I'm like doing all of those things. And I just feel so much more alive. Um, And it just starts with the soil, basically. And, you know, getting your hands in the soil is just so relaxing and calming and grounding. And um, I just, that's where it starts for me. And then obviously the food comes into play and it just tastes so much better. I mean, like you've never had a sweet potato until you've grown your own sweet potato and eaten it. The sweet potatoes that I grew are the sweetest. Like they taste like a, like a butternut squash or something. Like they are so sweet. And it's just incredible to be like, oh my God, I grew that with my hands. Yeah. There's that connection to the food that I think a lot of people, especially if they're eating standard American diet, are missing out on. Totally. Like when you have a connection to your food, that's going to increase the nourishment that your body's going to get from that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I have totally noticed that. Huge difference. Especially even with just like the cilantro or parsley that I grow. Like to me, it just is like a punch in the face of just flavor. And like, I can feel it just like going through my body. It just feels amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you, I know that you have a background in this because your mom kind of exposed you to it when you were younger, but where would you say would be a good spot for people to start? Like if they're not ready to do sweet potatoes or they're not ready to do these, you know, multiple garden beds in their yard or what would be a good, a good place for people to start? buckets, grow bags. Um, you can grow so many things in just pots on a patio. Um, I would start there like even five gallon buckets, like, like potatoes. I was saying you can get like felt grow bags, fill it with soil and put potatoes in it. And you're going to have potatoes. I mean, literally the easiest thing you could possibly grow in a garden. Um, and herbs are super easy to grow like parsley and cilantro. You just put the seeds down and it just starts sprouting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And I've interviewed, um, one of my farmers here in Cincinnati and he said the same thing, like just start with something that you can have, like maybe like on your deck or on your back patio, just something easy, like in a container, that's not going to be as intimidating as like, now you're starting to like mess with soil on the ground and getting garden beds and all of that. Yeah. And I think people, you know, it's like, we got to remember that's a good place to start as well. Cause then you're going to be more experienced when you do move to the actual like ground and, you know, putting up dirt and soil and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the felt grow bags. I still grow stuff in them in my garden because they're just super versatile and what you can put in them. Mm-hmm. Um, like peas, my peas this year grew so abundantly in a grow bag compared to my raised bed. So it's just... I would experiment. You can never go wrong. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I always, what are you what are you currently growing now? Oh god, what am I not growing? <laughs> um, let's see. I just had my garden club kids plant some seeds for me. Um child labor, but maybe not. <laughs> I want to talk about that cuz I I I think this is such an amazing idea. So get in I would love to hear more about that uh, club that you're doing with the neighborhood kids, but I would love to hear also what you are growing right now. Yeah. So I just planted um, stuff for my fall crop um, because the stuff I planted in spring needs to be picked basically now. Um, So what I planted or am planting for fall crop is basically more beets, carrots. Um, I'm doing some arugula, some Japanese um, greens that grow really well in the heat. And... um, 
yeah, I have a whole list that I have going on. Yeah. I can't even think off the top of my head what they all are. Yeah. Do you find it hard to keep up with? Like, are they growing so fast that, cause I know it's you and your husband, but in like, how, like, is it like, oh my gosh, we have too many things. Or are you like, I know what to do with all this, or I can give this away or share it with other people. Yeah. I think I plant on the side of abundance just because I know that I can share it with the people around me and they're going to eat it. Um, but even if that doesn't happen, I know that I can preserve stuff, whether it be canning or freezing or, um, fermenting things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So talk to me about this kids club. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where this idea came from. It was just, I get weird ideas all the time and I always tend to act on those ideas, whether it be good that I do that or not. Um, so I just texted all the neighbors on our street that I know that have kids. And I was like, hi, I have a garden. I don't know if your kids would be interested in learning about gardening and nature and plants and stuff. But if they are, let's do Tuesdays at 10. And four kids showed up and I was like, great, this is awesome. Um, And then just being me, who's a little bit extra in all that I tend to do, (laughs) I, I can never do anything like 50%. It's always like 150%. Um, So I started drawing. um, Well, first, I guess I made these little paper notebooks. Um, That was just like basic garden info and like little worksheets and like fun things that they can fill out. So they kind of remember what we've talked about. Um, So I started making those and now it's just kind of spiraled out of control to the point where I'm making like little booklets to like put in an envelope in the back of the notebook so they can like pull out the little booklet and flip through it and like put it back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, you handmade all of this, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Cause I saw them, you shared it on your Instagram and I was like, that is a, first of all, adorable. Second <laughs> of all, super thoughtful and such a good idea for these kids that want to learn more about it. Because I mean, we know that if kids know where food comes from, they're most likely going to be willing to try things now. Right. Because exactly. they might see arugula in your garden. And then if like mom's making arugula for dinner, then it's like, oh, I'll try that because I know what that is. Mm-hmm. I know I've had I was going into this being fully aware that these kids might not want to try stuff. And every time I've handed somebody something, they're like, oh, OK, I'll eat it. I'm like, whoa, you're either really not picky or you're just really into this. Um so that's been a lot of fun. And we do like a plant of the week and I show them, like I picked the plant prior and I show them the leaf or the flower. And then I have them go through my garden just by themselves and find to see if they can ID the plant by themselves. Um, and we're, I'm teaching them to, you know, use their senses when they're in their garden, like smelling stuff, um, only tasting stuff if I tell them to, if, if it's okay. Um, but smell, sight, touch, what things feel like. Um, And they're so into that. Like they can't wait to do the plant of the week. And then like in their journals, we take um, a stamp pad and like stamp the leaf. And so then they smush it in their journal. So then they have like the outline or like the print of the leaf or the flower or, you know, whatever. Um, And then they also have like this little um, plant sheet that they can fill out with like the name, the location, the date that they saw it. And then they like write a little bit about it and they're having so much fun with that. This is amazing. Like there's definitely something to this. Like this, I don't think this, like this can grow a lot bigger than like your little neighborhood. (laughs) Like seriously, I think this is such a good idea and I'm sure that the parents appreciate it too. Oh yeah. They text me after the kids go home and they're like, 
whoa, I don't know what you're doing, but like, this is great. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it sounds like you're having a lot of fun with it too. Oh yeah. And I'm totally not a kid person. Like Brandon looked at me whenever I said, I'm going to start a kid's garden club. And he's like, you don't like kids. I was like, you're (laughs) right. I don't, but I like gardening. And I think it's important for kids to know where stuff comes from. And I had so many people in my life that directed me on a path towards where I am now. And if I didn't have them, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know where I would have been, but if I could just, you know, like take that energy that they gave to me and pass it on to these kids in this, in this like garden club, I'm, I'd be over the moon if this changes one of their directions of their lives, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This might, you know, yeah, change the momentum of whether or not they want to live and be healthy and strong and get, you know, lots of color on their plate versus, you know, someone whose diet really, or someone whose kid has only been exposed to things like fast food. And so they're not really sure, like, what is a sweet potato and what does that taste like versus a regular potato or what is the difference between those? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's been so fun to just watch them go through my garden and just ask so many questions. Like, they saw the potato plants and they're like, what are those? And and then I, like, dug a little bit aside and I was like, do you recognize what that is? They're like, oh! It's a potato. I'm like, yeah, it's a potato. <laughs> yes. that. So that makes me think of when I, so I went to school for special ed. So I was, uh, my undergrad is in special ed and I taught for about seven years, seven, eight years. And there was one lecture that I sat in that was really interesting that I hadn't thought about it in this way. But my professor was saying like, there's such a difference with the types of kids that you're going to have. Like some of you will teach in like, urban areas. Some of you will teach in rural areas. And so, you know, if there's a standardized test, let's say, and the question is, where does milk come from? One kid is going to say it comes from the store on the corner of the street. And one kid is going to say it comes from cows because their exposure is different. Mm-hmm. And That's so crazy. I know it just makes me think about this and what you're doing and what you're exposing kids to, because some kids might not know that spinach comes from the ground or, you know, they might not know that, you know, this is what a carrot looks like or you know, a carrot looks like when it's growing. They only mm-hmm. see it when it's maybe like diced up on their plate. So it just that always struck me as being interesting. And then when I hear people doing things like what you're doing and like my farmer says the same thing, he lives next to an elementary school. So when the kids get out of school, they're walking, his whole yard is a farm. So like they're walking and they're like seeing like loose strawberries and they're seeing like loose peppers. And so they'll like pick them up and they'll come in and they're like, that's spinach. Like I had no idea that's what spinach was. And you know, so it's just so cool that you're exposing the kids to that. And then then they can share that with their friends and again, hopefully lead them on the path to eating whole foods and, you know, really looking at food as nourishment versus mm-hmm. just something that you have to do because your mom and dad told you to. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, really what I'm hoping for. Um, and also we just did like a foraging walk through, we have like a neighborhood um, nature preserve by all of our houses. So my friend James did a little foraging walk with all these kids and their minds were just being blown and the parents came with us too and like their minds were just being blown it was so cool because it's like I've been in this for a while so like to me these things aren't mind-blowing um and just so just watching all their faces and their all their mouths were just like 
<laughs> they're just like falling open and their eyes are so big and even on the walk we like picked up two or three random people who had kids with them and the kids were like mom dad i want to go on a nature walk we go we gotta go we gotta go i'm like oh yeah sure you can come that's great it was so cute that's amazing that's so cool and and yeah. for those who are listening who don't know james is he's like he is like a forager right he was a chef yeah. and now he does like a lot of foraging he's yeah does a lot of like um Woodwork. Woodwork. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I actually, I'm going to connect with him in just a few days, him and Lorenzo. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm having some clients. We're going to meet and do a foraging workshop ourselves. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to ask you what you're drinking because I'm assuming you probably made it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's kombucha. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, I, along with my potato chip addiction, I may have a kombucha addiction and it was starting to cost a lot of money <laughs> buying yeah. it from the store. I mean, it's like almost $5 a bottle, the one that I like. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Um, so I used to make kombucha often whenever Brandon and I first got married and then it just got out of control as kombucha does. So I just restarted making it, um, a few months ago and it's been so much fun. Yeah. What's that process like? So you're using a thing called a SCOBY, um, and that's basically just like the colony of bacteria and yeast that ferments your sweet tea. Um, So you make a sweet tea concentrate, basically, with black tea. You can use really any kind of tea that has caffeine. You can also do uncaffeinated stuff, but I prefer the caffeinated stuff. Um, So it's like a mix of green tea, black tea, yerba mate, white tea. And you brew that for like 20 minutes and you put in the appropriate amount of sugar. Um, and then you just uh, strain out the kombucha that's already been fermented and you just leave a little bit in the bottom of your container. And then you add in your sweet tea mixture and fill it up with enough water to, you know, so it's at the appropriate level for your container. Um, and this all has like some math behind it for like the gallons and whatever that you're making. Um, and then the scoby rises back to the top and it'll start growing out to reach the edges of the container and it'll grow another layer. Every time you make a batch of kombucha, it'll grow another layer, um, Mm. which makes it ferment faster. Um, the more layers that you have. So you, you are constantly having to peel back layers and either giving those away because that from that somebody can start their own kombucha, um, process if they want to. Um, and it takes about a week for mine to ferment fully. Um, and I use pH strips just to make sure that it's at the right pH level for kombucha and that it has fermented to the right amount. Um, and then you bottle it in like swing top bottles and you can put in, um, flavors that's when you put in flavors is for your second fermentation so you can put in like fruits um herbs dried stuff anything really Uh, and i've been kind of addicted to cherry and ginger lately so the one i'm drinking right now is ginger peach cherry that sounds really good and refreshing especially now like this time of year yeah i like to use like all the seasonal stuff that i get from yellowbird in our boxes so it's always a mix of the fruits that I get in there and then also the stuff from my garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned using some herbs and what are other ways that you tend to use herbs and maybe like other teas that you make or anything else like that? 
so many ways. Um, I do a lot of tincturing, which is an alcohol extraction of plants. Um, I like to do oxymels, which is an extraction of plants um, with vinegar and honey. And you'll get different properties if you do it um, with vinegar and honey or just vinegar or honey and then difference from alcohol. Um, so it just kind of depends what plant you're using. And then I like to make teas and I like to dry a lot of, I dry a lot of stuff, but I also try to do most preparations fresh too, just because I like to preserve the summer goodness for yeah. the winter months. Yeah. yeah. What, so the oxymel, is that just another thing that you would then consume? Like, is mm. it just another way of creating, is that more like a juice or what does that taste like? Or is it tea like tea? Yeah. So it's, to me, it's kind of like kombucha. Okay. Um, and you use like a tablespoon in the bottom of a glass with like sparkling water over top of it. Um, cause it is vinegar and honey. So it could, you know, really pack a punch if you wanted it to. Um, so yeah, I use about a tablespoon or so in the bottom of a glass and add sparkling water to it. And it's just another way to get herbs into your system. Um, that would be like a more vitamin and mineral based herbal preparation. Um, than like a tincture and if you can't really do kombucha because of caffeine or you don't want to drink like sh that much sugar or whatever you know um oxymels are a great alternative to that okay that's good to know actually because i'll have clients that love kombucha and let's say we find out that they have candida right they have like mm -hmm. this yeast it's like well that's not going to be a good idea for you because that's just even more fermentation and that's going to feed into that so that's good to know that that could be a better alternative for them yeah, yeah. It's not an oxymel isn't fermented. You just let it sit. You can put fruit, um, fresh herbs, dried herbs, whatever. Um, if you know fire cider, um, mm -hmm. that's considered an oxymel, basically. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility in the way that you make it. Um, and it can be, you know, really heavy on the vinegar side or really heavy on the honey side. It just depends your taste. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm gonna and for those who are listening and are like, what is all this? I'm you'll find a link to Grace's Instagram on in the show notes. So definitely check it out because you share a lot of that stuff that you make mm -hmm. and you share the process of it too, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, that'll be there. And when we were talking about the kids club that you're doing, you mm -hmm. also have recently started doing something with adults, uh, these dinners that you're calling seasoned. So can you talk a little bit about that? And especially if anyone is around Columbus, who'd be interested yeah. in this. I think it'd be great for them to hear more details and when the next one is and what the purpose is and all of that. Mm -hmm, totally. Um, so Seasoned is a collaboration between me and Lorenzo, who is a chef in Columbus. Um, and it just kind of started because I was like, yo, I want to have people in my garden. Like this was the whole purpose of, of us getting this house, of me starting this garden, because I want people to be in my garden. I want people to see the plants. I want people to know where their food comes from. And I want people to be able to see these medicinal herbs in person that sometimes you really don't find in person. Um, because I grow a lot of like really weird plants, you know, that nobody's really going to plant in their garden. Um, so I was like, what if we create a meal based around five or six different medicinal plants and we incorporate them into food so that people can see, oh, you can get these plants in a variety of ways, whether it be tinctures, capsules, um, you know, but like you can also just eat it in food too, because I think eating your herbs in food, if you can, is the most powerful way to do it. Um, 
So I was like, let's just try this. Let's see what happens. So I created this little booklet that had like all these, all the information about all the plants that we were using. Um, just a little more information about some other like of the gift stuff that we gave them because I made like a bitters and a tea that they could take home with them. Um, so we made these little booklets and then Lorenzo and I kind of worked together to, um, prepare this menu that is using traditional ways of cooking these plants um, to get their full medicinal benefit. Um, so for example, it's like you want to always include um, a diuretic with cilantro. So like dandelion. So we were doing dandelion and cilantro like chimichurri sauce for like a, a thing. And so we were doing that and um, it was just a lot of fun to be able to watch everybody sit in my garden surrounded by the plants that they're eating and enjoying the hell out of it. Like it was so much fun. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what seasoned is. And I think our next one is going to be October 30th. Okay. Um, and it'll be in our backyard again. That's amazing. I actually am really interested in coming to that. <laughs> so Please do. I, I will travel. So much fun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I will travel for that for sure. Yeah, yeah. We had people travel about like an hour and a half to come. Yeah. It's incredible. And I just like the way you were describing it is to me, it's magical of like, my goodness, how amazing to be surrounded by the things that you're eating and just feel so that so much more connected to that. Yeah. Um, that just makes a meal so much more special, at least to me, because most of my meals are like in between client appointments or like at the table by myself, like very rarely do Danny and I have the same schedule where we're sitting together. Um, and you know, during the day I'm usually by myself in between clients having lunch and it's just not the connected type of meal that I want it to be and that I know is better for me. And so when I hear people doing things like this, I'm like, Oh, that's exactly what I want more of. And I want that community aspect of sharing food with people. Yeah. So I love that you're offering that for people in your own home. And yeah, it was a lot of them. fun. Yeah, I really enjoy um, educating people. I feel like that is where kind of like my life may be headed. Um, I enjoy sharing what I'm learning. I enjoy answering questions. Like to me, that's super fun. I also enjoy making like materials for these things. Um, I don't, it's just a lot of fun. But yeah, season was great. And it was really cool because nobody knew each other. Um, and by the end of it, like the whole length of the table was talking and interacting and we had, um, Lorenzo use sweet grass, dairies, meat products in the dinner itself. And, um, Liz and Jacob, the farmers from sweet grass were there at dinner and everybody got to ask them questions about, you know, their farm and how they're like raising principles of their animals. Um, and everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to be buying from them for now on. So it's like, they got... 13 new customers basically from that evening. It was really wonderful to watch. That's amazing. Bringing people together like that. And oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so, so I'd love to finish up our conversation with, I always ask people for some sort of like health challenge or something that you would encourage the listeners to do that's related to our conversation. So whether that's related to gardening or doing something outside or what would you say something that could be a challenge for a listener to start implementing into their health routine. Yeah, I've been thinking about this forever. And I think for me, it would be so cool if people could just buy a little pot, put some soil in it and plant a couple seeds and just see what happens. Um, because like, yeah, you could be horrible at growing indoor plants. You could kill them. I kill them. I do not keep indoor plants alive. Um, outdoor plants, garden plants, 
I can keep alive. So I would highly recommend getting maybe one of your favorite herbs, like if it's parsley or cilantro, getting some of those seeds, just planting them, watch them, see what happens. If they grow, cool. If they don't, that's okay. That's just part of it. Um, But yeah, plant something. Okay. I like that. I'm actually experimenting with herbs um, this year. This is my first time doing that. I've done like actual vegetables and other plants before, but so it's been really cool to see that they're actually pretty low maintenance. So, Oh, they're very low maintenance. Like you just plant a seed, make sure they're watered, make sure it's good, make sure it doesn't dry out. Once they start sprouting, like they're good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. uh, you okay there, buddy? You need anything? Like you're just kind of <laughs> hanging out. So uh-huh. yeah, yep, exactly. I love that. That's a great challenge. So Grace, thank you so much for spending time with me today. This was a really fun conversation for me. Um, and I think it's going to be really nice for other people to hear too, who are very interested in the same things. Um, can you tell people where they can find you like social media, website, even like photography wise, and mm-hmm. I'll have those linked in the show notes as well. Yeah. So you can find like all my homesteading, gardening, herbalism stuff at um, the Good Ones Homestead on Instagram. Um, I don't have a website or anything for that. Uh, My photography, if you're interested in that, is just at Grace, the letter E, Jones. And that's on Instagram too. And my website is just the same thing too. Okay. That sounds great. Those will be linked. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. And um, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I so appreciate your interest in holistic health and hope you learned something you can apply to your own life. References from this episode are linked in the show notes, as well as links to find me, Evie, on social media platforms. If you'd like to learn more about services from Holistically Restored, click on the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this content, I encourage you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, be well, my friends.